The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Follow me on Facebook at GuidedWest11, on Instagram at GuidedWest, and on Twitter at LauraWest111. I also have a website at www.laurawest.net, where you can download a free guide on how to meet your own spirit guides. My book, Guided, is available on Amazon, and it's about soul teams, intuition, mediumship, and spiritual tools such as oracle and tarot cards, crystals, pendulums, and so much more. Welcome to another episode of Life from the Other Side. I'm your host, Laura West. And on the show, I love to talk about all things spirit, all things life, and how the two are just so interwoven. My guest today is Nicole Clark. Nicole has been married to her sweetheart, Nathan, for 20 years. And together, they have six children, the youngest of which passed away in 2020. Nicole has become a channel between worlds and has written a book with her daughter, Beyond the Veil. Hi, Nicole. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Laura. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited too. First of all, I want to say that I'm I'm so sorry about the passing of your daughter. As a mother, two daughters, I can't even imagine the heartache that that must have brought you. So I first, I want to say that and acknowledge that. Second of all, you wrote a book with her? That's amazing. Would you mind sharing how everything started? <laughs> yeah, loaded question. It is. <laughs> and thank you. I'm still very much in the grieving process. Sure. And I've been doing my whole process out loud for the last two and a half years. Well, it's almost two and a half years. I started my spiritual journey actually before Emberly was born. I was raised in the LDS Church or Church of Latter-day Saints as a Mormon. And I've gone from Mormon to mystic in like the last four years. And it's been a huge transformation. <laughs> I never believed in channeling. I thought it was woo-woo and out there and crazy. And now I'm like full-blown woo. <laughs> so it started actually when my dad died unexpectedly back in 2017. The night he died, my husband was guided. I believe by my father to put on a movie called The Secret, which I had never heard of the law of attraction or anything about how our thoughts create our reality or we get to choose what we focus on and <laughs> what we focus on expands. All of that was brand new to me. And so I started down this rabbit hole that led me away from Mormonism. It just lit me up so much. I was so excited about this. Even on the eve of my dad's death, it was just like, <gasps> dad sent me this. Like, it's a, it's like a woo. Like, like it was just an aha moment for me. 
and then from there, like a couple years later, I, I decided that the church was no longer empowering me. It was keeping me down and holding me back. And it was my comfort zone and it was extremely hard. And I resisted the change. I resisted leaving for over a year. And during that time, I developed a really bad breathing problem. And I had no idea <laughs> that they were connected. And you can still hear I have a little bit of a problem getting a full breath of air. Throat chakra. <laughs> yes. I learned about the throat chakra and how it represents speaking our truth. <laughs> and I had not been speaking my truth. Uh, I had been hiding from it and scared to death to make the necessary changes because my entire life revolved around the church. My entire identity, who I thought I was, everything I believed, everything was wrapped up in this beautiful package that I did love until it started to feel harmful and started to feel like my soul was suffocating me to try to get me to speak my truth or at least recognize my truth. And that's what I say. Like I had a condition called idiopathic subglottic stenosis, which means undiagnosable constriction of the airway right below the epiglottis. So my epiglottis became like a little straw and I couldn't get a full breath of air. And that whole time I was also pregnant and I'd been trying to be pregnant for eight years after our fifth child. I always wanted six kids. I know I'm crazy, but I was raised Mormon. So that's not to each their own. And where I came from, it was actually like kind of normal, you know, and I wanted that six kids so bad and I had an ectopic pregnancy and all these things that just kept preventing the sixth child from coming. And so finally I got pregnant and then I was like super struggling to even get a breast. So they couldn't test me for asthma or any of that because I'm pregnant. So after the baby came, I was like, oh, for sure I can get tested now. And still no answers, no answers. It took until she was like eight months old to finally like find what I was diagnosed with. And on that morning, I meditated because I started meditation during this whole process. And I went within and it was revealed to me the whole throat chakra and something that happened when I was 12, where I learned specifically, it was not safe to speak out against the church or to speak my truth if it contradicted what the prophet said (laughs) or what my mom said (laughs) at the time. So I had hid away for so long and I was just terrified, terrified to speak my truth or even to acknowledge it. So that's basically where the story begins. And on that moment, when I realized my soul was suffocating me, I call it my soul or my higher self, my whole self, whatever you want to call it. Yes. It had to wake me up somehow. Yeah. Drastic measures, right? Like you've been holding on for over a year. Come on. Well, that was a seriously hard life-threatening issue. I'm super grateful for it because I don't think I would have changed or gone outside of my comfort zone without it. Good point. I had to have throat surgery and all the things. And because this diagnosis is extremely rare, it's like one in every 500,000 people. And most of the time they don't know how to fix it or how to keep it from not recurring. Most people have to have surgery like once a year or regularly after it. And it's been three years since my surgery and I haven't had to go back because I've been speaking my truth (laughs) loud and clear and sharing it with everyone because I'm like, I'm not taking any chances. This is my life we're talking about. (laughs) I made that choice hard and clear that moment when I had that meditation that I wasn't going back to church and I would tell my friends and family and 
That was extremely difficult. But little did I know that soon after that, my life would be even worse. So I left the church. And I think a year later is when my husband and kids were all home with me as well. They all chose to leave too. We did it together as a family, which was really nice. But then... I was still questioning everything, very doubtful, very like, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. And I hope I don't lead my entire family to (laughs) hell or a different kingdom or whatever. And then Emberly, who was the baby I'd waited for for eight years and tried over and over, passed away suddenly and unexpectedly in our backyard pool. And... That turned my life upside down immediately. And obviously, it's actually really interesting because I had had a recurring nightmare for several years. Same nightmare of one of my children drowning on our property and it being my husband's fault. And we would get a divorce and my whole life would be ruined from this one incident. And I write about it in my first book, The 10-Minute Refresh for Moms. It's like a whole chapter in there that I published right when Emberly was a baby, like a newborn. And I'd gone through this process, what I call fear setting, of going to the worst case scenario, which would be divorce and my whole life would be ruined. (laughs) And I did everything I could to like reverse that and say, what do I have control over if that ever did happen? And how would I handle it? And what could I do to prevent it? And all the things. So I did all of that. Literally, Emberly was, what, three or four months old. And she died when she was 20 months old. Died by the same thing, drowned on our property. That was very difficult. There's a lot of guilt as a parent, especially when I'd received what I call now premonitions. I just didn't label them as such. I was just so afraid of these nightmares. (laughs) Did everything I possibly could Mm. at that time with my mindset to prevent anything like this happening. Although we didn't have a fence around our pool yet. So plug for people to get their fence now. doesn't matter what you have to do. (laughs) But it was impossible for us because it was COVID and there were no supplies and there were no workers. And it was just not a thing that I could figure out how to do myself. Our pool is not something that we could buy like an alarm from Amazon because it's like a very large custom pool. And I tried to find anything I could to prevent it from happening. But obviously our souls had other Uh. plans. And that's the silver lining here is that soon after she died, a beautiful blessing occurred. And I found that I could channel her and that we had made a soul contract to have this happen early in her life in order to expand the collective consciousness together and to create a book. I had no plans to write another book ever. (laughs) Although during her short little life, I kept thinking, man, I'm going to have to write a book about this little girl. She's just reteaching me that we all come here whole. We all come here perfect. We all come here with so much self-love and acceptance for other people and all the things, right? Babies are such good teachers. So I had that in the back of my mind thinking that was the book. Book. And while that some of that stuff is in our book, it's so much deeper, so much more complex and mind blowing to me and hopefully to the readers that I'm so grateful it happened. I wish it didn't. But I am grateful because I would not be who I am. And I believe this is both of our life's purpose. This is what we planned as souls to help people. 
Yeah, that's such a great place to get to when something tragic like that happens. I'm curious, how did you know that you started channeling her? What was that like? (laughs) That was an interesting process, actually. I had a random connection with a psychic medium. And again, I was still going through the deconstruction of Christianity and my high demand religion. And I was still like a little skeptical of it, but also really excited and believing and like really wanted to connect with her. The first visit I had with a psychic medium, she was like, you're actually supposed to write a book with her. So please start right now recording any contact, any signs you see, anything and start conversing with her. And I was like, conversing with her. Like, how do I do that? Like, (laughs) I had zero clue, right? Like, I don't consider myself a medium or a channel or anything. And I was like, that just seems (laughs) really hard and far-fetched. But within a few days of that, I created a practice in the morning where I would, I'd been meditating already for a few years, but I would just get in a very meditative state and I would get on my laptop and I would start journaling my feelings or my questions or mm-hmm. <laughs> anything that I was going through at that moment. Yeah. And this is always early in the morning when my brain's still in theta and I'm really receptive and open. And the next thing I knew, she would just take over the keys. And honestly, I would just type whatever came through me. Most of the time I was not even fully aware of what I was typing or how it was coming out or anything. <laughs> and after doing that for several weeks, I was like, Nate, you got to hear this. I don't know what's going on, but I'd share him with my husband. And he was like, whoa, you didn't write that. <laughs> like, You can't write that. <laughs> you could tell the difference, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. That's how it started. And I think we wrote nearly 200,000 words in four months of her dying. Wow. Okay. <laughs> And most of it's in this book. It's like huge. Oh Look my at gosh. It. Oh, how did you come up with the title? Because uh-huh. that's so clever. Oh, I can't wait to share this story. This is one of my favorite stories. Okay. But first, it's remember all the days, conversations with my daughter after she died. And this is her. This is a picture of her. And it's a very meaningful picture of her where she was obsessed with water, like horribly obsessed. I hated it. But this, it was like pouring rain outside and she wanted so badly to just go dance in the rain. And we have a video of her with this running out there and just dancing in the rain. And it was just a beautiful moment. She was always teaching me to enjoy the present moment and to make the most of it, even if it's downpouring. (laughs) I mean, her name is Emberly Joy and she was just pure joy all the time. I think because I'd waited so long for her and had been such a struggle to get pregnant again, I just enjoyed every single thing with her. The tantrums, the, like, I don't know if you can see, but this is our Emberly wall. Like she's got writing on the wall that we'll never erase. You know? Oh, I love it. All of those things that I would probably have gotten annoyed by or upset with sure. my other children. With her, yeah. it was just like, oh, I love this. <laughs> I just love it all. <laughs> Your kids are like, that's not fair, mom. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a completely different person than who raised yeah. them, right? Sure. Sure, sure. I felt bad. I felt like I finally had the chance to raise them the right way as well. <laughs> my good ego to you. Wants to <laughs> the line and like I was empowering yeah. her and not just dictating and forcing her to believe something. But anyway, the title of the book was actually really cool. Cool story. 
after my editor had first read it, she was like, now we have to think of SEO. And for those listening, it's like search engine optimization, figuring out the keywords that people are going to type in if they're spiritual and if they're looking for something woo-woo. And <laughs> and because Emberly says over and over in the book, I am with all that is, we are all part of all that is, all that is, like she named it a ton of times. And we know that that's a phrase that a lot of people in the spiritual community really understand and appreciate and consider to be God, right? Or the name of Mm -hmm. (laughs) the source or whatever you want to call it. And my editor had mentioned like, maybe we could name it like return to all that is or returning to all that is. And I was like, okay, I like that. But let me think about it. And during that time I had listened, I don't know if you've heard of Kyle Cease before, but he's one of my absolute favorite speakers. Hmm. He's a like super comedian turned woo woo teacher and really great man. But he wrote a couple of books and I was listening to him on YouTube one day and he was talking about how he went to a darkness retreat. I was doing art because I'm an artist. I became an artist after Emberly died as well. Another way I connect with her. But anyway, I, I literally started listening and I was like, what's a darkness retreat? Like my ears just perked. Mm. Just like, I gotta know. I gotta know what that is. Most people will think this is incredibly insane. And yeah, I'll claim it. I'm insane sometimes, but when my soul calls <laughs> and I feel a nudge, I'll do it. Right? Yep, yep. <laughs> he talked about how he went to this man-made cave in someplace in Oregon, which is where I grew up uh-huh. <laughs> and stayed in darkness for 10 days where somebody would come and deliver his meals twice a day through a double door blind thing. They'd ring the bell, let him know the food was there. And that was the only interaction with human or anything wow. you'd get for the whole 10 days. And instantly my soul was like, you got to do that. You got to do that, mom. <laughs> I was like, ah, <laughs> Well, why do people do that, though? (laughs) Right? (laughs) I mean, I'm just curious, like, what is it meant to do? Well, everything that I was listening to about it was like, it's a super experience where you get to really just go within and have Mm. no outer distractions. I see. And several of the people I was listening to were saying that they had like visions and were able to connect with the dead. And (gasps) I was like, that's me. You know, that's what I want. I really, really wanted to see her because I'm not clairvoyant mm. at all, but I'm very clairaudient. I hear things and I'm clairsentient. So I went there with these intentions of like having visions and like getting proof. Like I needed evidential proof, Laura, that she was talking to me. <laughs> that it wasn't just all in my head, that I wasn't making it up or delusional. Yeah, that seems the way to do it. 10 days in a dark cave. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what could go I don't wrong? Know. I'm just kidding. So- <laughs> Honestly, it was the hardest thing. It was so hard, and people who I listened bet. to had kind of sugarcoated the experience and only talked about the good things. I'm going to be real (laughs) and Uh say, don't do it unless you feel an absolute, like what I was like, oh my goodness, I have to do it. Right. And I would bet that (laughs) 99.5% of the population will never feel that feeling. (laughs) And the guy that runs the place was actually like, yeah, it's actually very rare. Like probably 1% or less actually get visions or have any of the DMT that's supposed to have you have these spiritual experiences. He's like, and most people don't last very long. They come here for like a week and then they leave after like three or four days. I was like, oh, 
I had signed up for the full 10 day experience, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm expecting visions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he was like, yeah, you probably might want to lower your expectations. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, people don't last and don't expect any of yeah. that. <laughs> so I was really like, oh, oh man. I'll just do it anyway. I got to do it. My soul told me to right? come. So I followed right. that, right? And I'm so glad I did. And mm. I would not probably ever do it again. <laughs> you know, it's one of those like, <laughs> once in a lifetime, let's do one this. One and done. <laughs> one and done. <laughs> it took, oh my goodness, like four or five days before I had anything good happen. <laughs> the first like day and a half, I think I just literally slept the whole time. It was like, you're in a cocoon. There's no light. There's no sound. It's just you, your thoughts and nothing else. Wow. <laughs> For a lot of people, that's really terrifying. Jeez. I actually really like being alone. I like myself yeah. a lot. It was a really wonderful experience. And I kept a notebook that I can actually read. I'm very impressed with myself. It was like a spiral bound notebook so that I could very consciously and intentionally make sure I turn the page, put the pen on the page where I was going to write next because I could turn it upside down or not. And made sure that I was trying to yeah. leave big spaces in between the lines and I can totally read it. Was it so dark that your eyes never adjusted? You can't even see anything like nothing. <laughs> so, Got it. It's so dark. Okay. Yeah, it's just wow. pitch black. There's no light at all. Although the first few days wow. there were a couple cracks of light. I had to climb up these stairs to get to the toilet and it wasn't automatic flush. It was like a pump flush with your foot, which is really weird, but <laughs> I did it. <laughs> But when I'd climb up there, when I'd be standing on the toilet before I sat down, you could see light. I had to tell the guy and he had to give me tape and I tried to like tape it up because <laughs> it was really distracting to have that one little pinpoint of light. Yeah. Then you knew it was daytime. The time uh. was the biggest issue that whole time in there. You just never know what time it is, you know, and you're just constantly like, yeah. um, is it day or night? Has it been 10 hours yet for my food? Or, you know, you have no clue. Wow. And that's really disturbing for a human yeah. because we really like time. You do. And Emberly teaches me a lot that it's timeless in the all that is. You don't worry about days mm. or nights or weeks or it's all the same. It all is the present yeah. moment. But yeah. anyway, on about day five, I finally got a download from yeah. her. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and she gave me this beautiful quote. I'll probably just read it because yeah, sure. I remember it, but it better if I say her words. Oh, I was telling her, what about return to all that is? And she says, dear one, you may not fully remember your greatness or identity right now. It may seem like an ember that has left the fire and appears lifeless or dead. But with a little intention and focus, the flame within you can come back to life and recognize the eternal now of all that is. When it does, you will have no doubt who you are why you are where you are, dealing with the circumstances you are experiencing, and where you are going. And then this is the part where she starts to tell me the title. You are now, have always been, and always will be an intricate part of all that is. One cannot not be part of the wholeness of all that is. And then she said, there's no returning to all that is, because you've always been and always will be part of it. So Name the book, Remember All That Is, and highlight the ember. 
And then she went on to explain, not only is her name Emberly, and we named her Ember literally because an ember stays alive when it's separated from the fire and all it takes is a little intention to bring it back to life. And it was just <laughs> one of those moments where I was like, oh my goodness, of course. <laughs> like, how beautiful is wow. that? Obviously, you named her that when she was born or before she was born. Yeah. The day she was born, the day after, actually. Wow. I want to comment. Yeah. So first of all, thank you for sharing that because that was amazing. I want to comment on how wise she sounds despite how young she was when she passed. Can you share about that, especially to the audience member who may think that, well, she was a, a child. Shouldn't she sound like a child? Can you talk about that? Oh my goodness. Yes, because that was one of my biggest skeptic moments over and over. And I talk oh. about it in the book a lot. I'm like, how can this really be you? Because you were 20 months old and you didn't even talk. You said a few words, you know, like, how can wow. this be you? Because it sounds like some yeah. wise, really, really advanced soul, right? Yeah. And she was like, when you become part of all that is again, like you recognize your wholeness, She's like, I've lived, <laughs> I have eons of knowledge and I'm connected to the whole source and all of us are. And I can give you whatever questions you ask. I can give you the answers. And she's like, you are me and I am you. We are one. Just like Jesus said that with heavenly father, you know, or with God, like we are one and it's not just me and you, it's everyone. And when you can tap into that and really have that radio frequency, it doesn't matter if you were two days old or if you're 200 years old on earth, you have that knowledge within you and you can tap into it. So while I was skeptic, I was like, that makes sense. That made sense to my soul. <laughs> yeah. So do you still channel her? Okay, so that was an interesting thing too. After we had finished writing the book, I felt a release almost like she went somewhere else. She's like, my duty is done. I'll come back when you need me here and there. But I know you don't need me as much now and our work is done. Now I will direct you and guide you to different podcasts or different influencers or marketing, whatever, to get the yeah. word out there. Because I know this book has the intention of expanding collective consciousness and that it will get to the people that needs to, that are ready for yeah. it. That being said, it was very, very difficult for me to publish it. While I can talk to her at any time, I usually haven't. I don't know why. I just haven't really needed it as much, I guess. <laughs> and it took me two years after we wrote it to finally feel safe enough to share it. I think it was very difficult because... Most of the people in my circle are still very much in my old faith. And I live in a very small, conservative Bible Belt community in Ohio, where there's very few people that are not fully Christian and believe mm. exactly like I used to. So it was extremely scary and almost life-threatening to me. That's how I felt. Sure. <laughs> Sure. But I did keep sharing the story and I knew I was supposed to speak my truth because of the whole throat thing. So I shared conversations. I think I put them like hashtag lessons from MB on Facebook and I shared them for over a year and a half. And all these people kept saying, oh my goodness, that's amazing. Like what wisdom is coming from Emberly? Like it's crazy. I can't wait to read this. You know, they get excited every time I post and I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want you reading my book because <laughs> I didn't share a lot of the book is me 
deconstructing Christianity and my entire belief system. Like we Ah, talk about parenting, politics, life after death, all the things about religion and God and all the things that I was raised with this patriarchal belief system. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is very contradictory for a lot of people or a lot of controversy, I guess. So that was terrifying. Yeah. Very terrifying to share. And I have received a lot of negative criticism and feedback since I have published. We published it last month on her birthday. But I've also heard back from a lot of people that are just like, wow, thank you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I hold on to those and try really hard to not pay attention to the haters. But I can be very honest and say that it's had me feeling doubt. It's had me feeling like, shoot, should I have not shared this? Like, what if it's not true? What if I really am delusional Mm. and need medication and need therapy? Like they all say, (laughs) all I can say is I cannot in good faith say 100% that I know for sure. This is Emberly. I know 100% that everything she says is the truth and the only truth. There's no way I will ever want to persuade anyone to believe something unless they feel called to it, unless it feels right for them. Because that's one lesson that she taught me that is really powerful is that everyone's truth is right for them in that moment. And everyone's truth matters. And without all the different truths, the different aspects and perspectives, we would not have all that is. Every single one of them Mm -hmm. encompasses all that is. Yeah. So to judge theirs as wrong or mine as right is not what we do at a soul level. Yeah. We're all just on different frequencies or different steps on the mountain. And however we get there is how we get there. So that's been a really cool experience. I love it. What are some other pretty profound aha moments that she has shared through your channeling of her? One of the biggest, most life-changing lessons that she's taught me multiple times in the book is that we can create pearls from our pain and that pain is for our gain that we create trials and hardships and challenges and situations that as humans, we might hate and judge as wrong or bad, or I don't want to go through that. So we numb and escape and hide from it. But as souls, our souls like get a kick out of pain. They're like, yeah, this is the best part of the I'm advancing. So humans, a lot of us really like haunted houses or really scary movies, right? Horror films or whatever. Oh, sure. And we'll sign up to go. Like I, for the first time, brought all my kids to a haunted house like two years ago. And we stayed in line for like an hour to be able to go in this like 15 minute experience. And (laughs) all these people were like dressed up and so excited. Couldn't wait to go in. You know, they're paying to be scared. She's like, on a soul level, that's kind of how we are. Because when we are connected with all that is in our wholeness, we don't experience the lows that we have here on earth. We come here so that we can have that experience. So we can have the whole ride of the roller coaster of ups and downs and in-betweens. And every time we have a low, 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 that just means the higher part is going to be that much more exciting and fun for us. So that was like a really cool lesson that I'm still trying to integrate (laughs) on the days when I'm like, sure, I hate it. I don't want to grieve anymore. I don't want to feel this pain. I'm suffering. She's like, lean into the suffering. Like, enjoy the suffering. Like, your your soul's getting a kick from it. I'm like, ah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's like 
very sadistic. <laughs> yeah, I even said something like that in the book. I was like, that just seems really backwards. <laughs> you know, like, super weird to me as a human yeah. going through these experiences. Because, you know, a lot of yeah. us don't want to claim the idea that we chose our challenges. Like the idea that I chose for her to die when she was really little at a soul level might've sounded really great before I came here, but on a human level, oh my goodness, no way. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. can I change the plan, please? Like, yeah. not, I can't do this. <laughs> so it seems kind of like a bizarre concept, but at the same time, for me, it's the only one that makes any sense anymore to really understand the suffering and the hardship that goes on in the world. All the bad things that happen. I'm always the kind of person that wants to look on the bright side and find the positive to things. But I've also noticed that with this new philosophy is, oh, the bright side is that there's a bad side and that we're here to learn all wow. of it, to be okay with the yeah. contrast. I'm an artist and I've been learning more and more about how important all the contrasting colors are. I've been painting this beautiful painting of a girl with a dress and I was just painting her dress yesterday. I was trying to get it to look white. And they say in order for something to come out really, really white, you have to put darkness behind it. You have to make shadows here and here and here. And you got to put different shades of gray in order to make the white pop. Because if the whole thing was just white, it wouldn't stand out and it wouldn't look real. And that's how we are as humans. We need all the mm, contrast, mm -hmm. all the shades of gray in between. It's not just black and white, this duality thinking that most of us have been raised with. It's all the things in between. And when we can accept our good parts and all the things that we love about ourselves and the parts that we judge of ourselves as like wrong, bad, evil, not good enough, if we can lean into that part and say, oh, my soul really wanted to feel rejection. I really wanted to feel fear today. I'm grateful for fear. <laughs> and when we can lean into those weird feelings that we would normally label as bad and instead say, how is this happening for me? That's what Emberly tells me to ask all the time. Yeah. Instead of why is this happening to me? How is this happening for me? Then your whole perspective changes and you can be grateful even in the hardest of times. And you can feel deep peace even when you're going through your worst yeah. nightmare. I have a new saying that I, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the one who came up with it, but mm. I haven't heard it before that it's protection, not rejection. Yes, um, so if that. something doesn't happen for you, there's a reason for it. Even though we may think, why is this happening to me? But like you said, it's happening for me. So I really, really like that. I've been watching your painting because I follow you on social media and I love it. Oh my gosh, I love it with the trees around the female in the white dress. Oh, it's so pretty and there's texture to it. I really, really, really love it. I can't wait to see the final product when that's done. But I do want to share before we go much further, where can people find you? I would direct everyone to my website. It's called embersglowstudio.com. And there you can find all oh, my perfect. art, but also my courses and my book, both my books. And I have a free guide that people can download on how to connect with your loved ones who have passed and also about resin art and <laughs> all sorts of stuff there. <laughs> and obviously that was named after Emberly as well before I even Aww. started the book. So she has really directed me in ways that I never took an art class or thought I was an artist in any way, shape or form. 
And then she brought the art out in me too. You know, she just directed me to ways a little better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been really cool. That's wonderful. Okay. So before we wrap up here, I did want to ask for the viewer who is watching this and they have a loved one who's passed, animal or human, I'm going to just put it out there. And they want to learn to connect with their loved one. Do you have any sort of advice to get them started? Yes. First, get that free guide I just told you about that has all all the things. Perfect. (laughs) Just start tuning in to yourself first. Pay attention to your frequency. This was a really cool lesson I learned right after she died. I really, really wanted to see her (laughs) or a sign. I wanted a sign, any kind of sign. Just tell me you're here. (laughs) And. She started to appear to our family as this black butterfly with these little blue spots on the top. And then when it flipped up underneath, there were literally like orange spots. And it literally was like a number. Ooh, I love it. It's insane. Like it's actually on our cover. I had never seen this kind of butterfly before in my life. And now it's just been a constant, especially in the summertime. Or like she'll just send it in different ways. So they find ways that are meaningful to us. She also loved up a pies, which are stars from the song Up Above the World So High. She always called them up a pies, up a pies. Oh, I love so it. She'll send us stars a lot. And then on the day she was born, she was born in the hospital room 333. And I found out after she died that that number means that you are always guided and have loved ones with you. Like, of course. (laughs) So there's always different signs that your specific loved one will send to you, whether it's pennies or feathers or hearts or a song on the radio, a phrase that you heard only them say a lot. They're always finding ways to connect somehow. So figure out what would be meaningful to you and then ask them to send that sign and then be receptive. Like the number one thing I would say is to believe. While you might not have evidence and you might not be able to tell everyone else, I saw this, (laughs) you will know in your heart. If you're receptive to it and open to the idea, it's a lot easier to really see it and understand it. Does that make sense? And the other point I would like to make, I believe anyone can do this. Like I am special and so are you. Like all of us are special. Oh, well, thank you so much, Nicole. That's fantastic. And hopefully we'll give people a nice starting point to get to your website so they can download that free guide. So thank you again so much for continuing to share your truth despite the fear. Because to me, that means true courage and to be that light and that voice for you and Ember, because there's obviously so much knowledge out there that the spirit world is just ready and willing to share with us. We just have to listen. So thank you so much. And that was another episode of a guided life podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, love and light always. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, 
a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.